Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast. We are thrilled today to have on the investments lawyer from Twitter or now X. Uh, first name is Michael. Michael prefers to remain uh, anonymous or semi-anonymous. Uh, if you really, really want to know him, uh, you know, DM, DM him on Twitter or some other platform, and you can uh, find out more. But this man it, is an expert. Uh, he's an attorney. Uh, of course, he's not your attorney in the investing space, especially around securities, uh, syndications and funds and things like that. So we're going to have a great episode and uh, he's going to share a lot of knowledge with us. So uh, let's jump into it. Michael, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Incredible. So yeah, man, I've been watching your content, uh, some of the things you've been putting out there for a while now. I've been impressed and you're the kind of person um, that I'd love to bring on and share your deep knowledge of all the different things uh, you have to sh- to offer the audience uh, funds, syndications, real estate folks, and beyond. Um, but before we get into that, uh, tell us a little bit about um, your basically kind of where you grew up, and then also I know you have a really personal story about um, about your eyesight. So we'll talk about that too. But let's give us a little background of like, hey, the 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 young Michael. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you know, like you said, nothing I talk about is legal advice, investment advice, any sort of advice whatsoever. Um, yeah, so I grew up outside of Seattle and kind of hopped around to LA, New York, and then moved back to LA. And one day I went in for, um, just a routine eye exam and they said, oh, surprise, you have a disease where you're going blind, which was not exactly something that I signed up for that day. Um, but that's, that's, you know, that's what you get. Um, and so, yeah, so basically I was working doing mostly M&A and capital markets work at a big law firm in LA. I didn't really like it. I was working a lot. And then I kind of learned, oh, I'm going blind. Um, so at that point, I quit. Oh, and, can, you, can, you tell yeah. about, can you tell me about your emotion there, Michael? That's, 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 that's such an important story. You know, yes, we can talk about funds and legal stuff and yeah. money, but also we know this whole thing that we're doing, everything that we do in family, work, uh, working with other people, it's all about the people connection, right? So yeah. let's not just gloss over that. Like, sure. firstly, like, did you have like, just like, maybe you just said, did you have any discomfort and maybe someone else this could help someone else? Like maybe they, maybe they, you have similar symptoms or was it completely out of the blue and you're like, oh my God, you have this, you know, degenerative disease or whatever, whatever the condition was. Yeah. Well, so I didn't really know anything was wrong with me when I went in. Sure. Um, but then when they told me, I kind of realized, oh, you know, like I've been walking like down the streets of downtown LA with my headphones in and it kind of looks like, like I just thought like people would just kind of come out of nowhere from behind me. And I thought, oh, you know, it's probably because I'm just like listening to a podcast or something and I just wasn't paying attention. And then I thought, oh, it's because I like couldn't see them until they were right in front of me. Uh, so that, that kind of clicked to some degree. It's a realization. Like you didn't like, yeah. yeah, I mean, things like, uh, you know, degradation of performance of some kind, it doesn't always, doesn't always hit us. Like what's going on? Like also, and all yeah. of a sudden somebody points it out and then it's like, oh, now it's obvious. But then at the time, obviously, yeah. you know, clearly you didn't, you know, you didn't have that realization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like when I was growing up and in high school, I played baseball and then, um, I joined the softball team at my law firm which was a couple of months before I realized I was going blind. Yes. And it was just like, you know, like middle-aged people throwing softballs underhand. And like, I was with him. Yeah. And I was like, 
I don't know. Like this, I just couldn't understand. It was so frustrating. You're like, I really, like, I mean, like since like, college, I really lost it here. Like, right? I don't know. Like, this is embarrassing. Like, what is going on? And then I thought, oh, it's because I'm going blind. <laughs> That'll do it. So much of that uh, kind of came together, man. Um, yeah. And so then what, what was it? What, after you were told that, you kind of, it dawned on you. Did you think like, I guess like, tell us about that, that those initial panicky uh, reactions like I'm, I'm never going to work again I'm like what was what were those initial handful of thoughts that like hit you that's maybe not true or were maybe aren't true in a, in a large sense but kind of that those first thoughts what were those things yeah I don't I don't know if I thought about never working again necessarily I, I honestly don't remember exactly what I was thinking I mean yeah. I definitely cried and called my mom and my dad um and it was a, it was a bad, it was at like 6 PM. So like, it was a bad, like rest of that day, but the next day, everything was fine. Okay. <laughs> and, so you, and has, you, resi- and has been, you came, came through that quickly. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, part of it is that it's quite slow. Um, like I can still see stuff. Like, sure. I, I mean, I trip over things all the time and, um, you know, I can't like drive at night and certain things like that, but it's, it's slow. So it gives you time to think about it. Um, and I don't know, like growing up when some, when bad stuff happened to anyone in my family, we kind of just like made a joke out of it and just kind of moved on, I, I guess. A so. family, family characteristic. I, that one has, you know, uh, that one has served you well. So that, that's, that's amazing to hear. <laughs> yeah. And yeah then, my um, family makes blind jokes all the time at me, <laughs> which I, I, I literally have had like a couple of like, like visual puns or references not as a joke yeah, but yeah. already and i'm like trying to like dial it down like what no, kind no, of perspective no, did you down. have or like you know hindsight yeah. 20, it's like whoa, whoa like, like dial the dial the visual stuff the, the visual yeah. references down dude yeah you can you can make fun of me i don't care that's <laughs> i i think that's important like my mom just had cancer and she was like laughing at herself the whole time like i should that's incredible head. yeah like have you ever had a beard and then like you shave part of it at a time Yes. Have you ever tried that before? Have, so yes. Like it's like classic college stuff. I did that to my mom. Like we gave her like five different haircuts on her way from like normal to like chemo bald. Yeah. <laughs> and uh <laughs> she she enjoyed that. <laughs> That's amazing, man. Good for your mom having yeah. having a sense of humor. Not for real, good for in, my mom. Yeah. At a time of I mean, it's cancer is always serious. So uh, my dad passed yeah. away from from a brain tumor after a long fight. So um yeah, that's I'm sorry. it's um yeah. Um, but anyway, pivoting back to, um, you know, that, that realization, um, then you had kind of a, you know, kind of a realization, a life, a, 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 an inflection point. Um, tell us about that next part. And again, this is like the human journey. Um, and also this is deeply, I think the audience, I appreciate this. Tell, talk to us a bit about, um, kind of that, what, what that initiated and transferred in you. And then you assumed that you went traveling and you met your wife and some other things. What yeah. was that? you like, I'm working for corporate. This sucks. Like, walk us through that yeah so i i before that point i had been on you know the classic go to college go to law school go to the big firm just do what you're supposed to do trajectory so i basically took the exact opposite of that and made that my life um so i quit my job i moved to south america traveled around mostly live in colombia um i started writing on the internet for money and just kind of traveled around and and was you know very transient i suppose yeah just kind of were you, went were you like forever. an upwork or were you on like upwork or how did you, um, how did you find gigs I, you know i think i i think i did go on upwork a bit um 
there was just a bunch of job boards. There was just job postings as well, but stuff, stuff like that. And then I like built my own website and started getting clients and such. Um, mostly because I didn't want a job and I wanted to make money some other way. Yes. Um, because jobs are dumb and lawyers are dumb and I didn't want to do any of that stuff. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like, I, I don't know, I kind of have an extreme personality and sometimes like we'll go from one end to the other. So, sure. so I went all the way to the other end, you know, it was just like reading and meditating all day. And that's basically it, <laughs> um, that's, that's extreme, which was, yeah. which was good. It, it was what I needed at the time. There's no question about it. And then, uh, and then, yeah, you met your, I think you met your wife, uh, in, in, uh, did you meet her in Colombia or did you meet her somewhere no, else in South America? No, we, uh, we had each done, uh, a five day trek, uh, to Machu Picchu. Cool. And then the next day we had each took a, a, a bus from, Bol uh, from Cusco to La Paz, which is the capital of Bolivia. Okay. And it stopped halfway at this lake called Lake Tericaca. And basically we got out on a boat and went to this island. And so I met her on a boat going to that island. Um, and then that's, I'm, I'm a romantic. That sounds romantic. I don't know. If yeah, it was pretty good. Cool. It was pretty good. It was, I, yeah, it was crazy. And then like, I didn't see her for like three months basically. And then she asked me to go on a date in Brazil. So then nice. we went to Brazil. Were you guys, from, I imagine, were you guys like keeping in touch, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was there, like texting stuff? every yeah. day. Yeah. yeah. And then she, she grew up in Belgium, so then I moved to Belgium, because uh, that's what had to be done. Uh, <laughs> Again, on the extreme, the, like, yeah, the, yeah. On the extreme personality scale here, like okay, you know, Columbia, you know, South America, exactly, now to Europe, exactly, Boom. exactly. And, like I got into Belgium one time, like the day they shut down the borders for COVID. Like several hours later, they locked it down. I, like it was, it was nuts. Incredible, um, man! Incredible. Wow. Yeah. Hey, you know, you're, you live life on the edge and that's, that's exciting. Uh, and, uh, but, but also you, you know, perhaps, perhaps maybe probably is the right word. Yeah. You know, you needed that you needed to, you know, you just, like you said, to just hit that corporate treadmill, like, you know, kind of mindless zombies the, on the, on the gerbil on the hamster wheel, whatever analogy you want to use. Yeah. And like, Hey, you know, like after, you know, that, that, that realization of, you know, how, losing your sight, like what, what the heck am I doing? You went on a couple of kind of big life journeys yeah. it had some 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 amazing stuff but now kind of at the you know taking it to the present moment you have yeah. ended up back as a as a lawyer but yeah. um i think you've expressed you know but it's with a lot more intentionality with with purpose with reason you have uh, a child or two now with your know, family man and you're back in the states um give us that 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 next chapter here kind of that that arc there and yeah kind of come back so this happens with me all the time. I don't know if, other, if it happens with other people too, but like I'll basically take one extreme and then I try the other extreme and then I take whatever parts of both of those extremes work and kind of synthesize it into some sort of result. Yes. Um, like this happens all like I do, like I was vegan and then I just, then I was like, oh, keto. And then in the middle, I'm now I'm just like, oh, I'm a normal person who just eats good stuff now, <laughs> you know? I like not that, you know, it's obviously dangerous to touch topics like that, but um <laughs> That that's basically how it went, you know. I, I you know, I'm back at a big law firm. I'm a lawyer, but I don't take anything as personally anymore. I would yes. say, and I'm really focused on building something, you know, like forming good relationships with clients, for example, 
and kind of thinking with the end game in mind and and really i guess you know like building a brand and making content and stuff is pretty fun like i, I really enjoy it uh, yes. just you know for its own sake um even if it doesn't bring clients so it's something that i i find very rewarding and what is that if i could ask michael what is the yeah. end goal as you work in a larger law firm you know uh you know you're just uh there's probably other attorneys and, you know, you, you, I, I don't, that's not like you're a principal at the firm. What is Perfect. that as a, just to give other, you know, professionals, maybe in a similar space, some encouragement, some guidance, uh, some perspective, uh, what is, how do you, how do you view that? Yeah, I, I think that is important giving people perspective. Um, and I also, I mean, also just like from my own, from my own side, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to maintain relationships with a bunch of interesting people and, you know, things like, like Twitter and LinkedIn and such give you access to a lot of interesting people. And it's just a lot of fun, you know, to hop on calls like this or to, to help people out when they're just starting out in an industry, whether they are lawyers like I was, or whether they're starting off as like GPs of investment funds or things of that nature. I found that the human connection is, is, is really fun and it can take a lot of time. Um, so sometimes you need to kind of dial it back, I've found, and not take every call that somebody, you know, wants to have. But but it's something that I, I've been enjoying a lot. The, the education process is something that uh, I, I really, I really enjoy. Awesome, man. That's amazing. <clears throat> it sounds, if I maybe be presumptuous here, it sounds like you maybe were uh, maybe outwardly, like kind of inwardly focused, you know, like, hey, just, you know, we're just going to do this thing, inwardly focused. And then you kind of had, you know, some life events and then you're outwardly focused. Now you're, you're kind of giving back. Obviously, you know, you're, you're making an income, you know, working as an attorney, uh, but also like those, the, the, the view now is shifted to, you know, building those relationships, helping people, and then sharing those, those things that you've learned to whoever might value, might get value out of that, might listen. Uh, and then kind of, you know, there's, there's feedback there that's, that's, that's beneficial to you. Is yeah, that, is that a absolutely. fair, um, that kind of a fair summary? It is. At least it that is. aspect. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Okay. Well, that was amazing. Thank you for, you know, kind of stepping through that and, and just, you know, again, giving context to the, to the person, Michael here to, for my audience, uh, let's uh, pivot now to, you know, something about the more serious side, like, okay, let's get to the meat, you know, okay, we'll get there. We're going to get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, we know this is just kind of relevant in the, whether you're a syndicator, a fund manager, or, you know, just capital raising space, all those kinds of things. Um, the SEC of recent, uh, August 23rd, actually had issued some new guidelines. We're just jumping right into the, to the deep stuff here. Um, I know you've, uh, I think you put a post about, post, uh, about it out. Uh, can you walk us through and it kind of like talk to us as if we're, you know, uh, five, you know, 10 year olds and you got to explain some things here, give us yeah. kind of a rundown, uh, you know, maybe within the next five minutes of the different, uh, what's changed and, uh, what for us as syndicators, fund managers, people that are, you know, don't, are not attorneys to kind of like keep in mind as this new landscape unfolds. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to start kind of at the beginning of time um, hey, for, for funds. Um, <laughs> so there are lots of different laws that regulate investment funds. One, like for example, there's the Securities Act, there's the Investment Advisors Act, the Investment Companies Act. There's all sorts of acts, and in particular, let's talk first about the Investment Company Act. So. The Investment Company Act covers investment companies, as you might have guessed, and investment companies invest in securities. So hedge funds, private equity funds, if you are a real estate fund, 
investing in securities. So like if you're in a, a real estate fund of funds, for example, or if you're purchasing shares in a REIT, or if you are a passive member in a JV, those are all buying securities. And if your business is investing in securities, then you are an uh, investment company. And then you fall into this act. So if you're good actually... Good to, set the, good to set the groundwork and the terms. Yeah, yes. <laughs> thanks. So if you are an investment company, that's not good. I, I Well, I shouldn't say it's not good, but it's not what any of your listeners want to happen to them. That's like, you know, you're a registered mutual fund. You know, you're like a giant, giant uh, investment company that that may be public and there's a ton of regulation. You have to deal with lawyers a lot. It's just, it's a whole thing. It's it's and, not what your everyday syndicator or fund manager is doing. And we're like, you know, a handful of us, you know, like there's three or four of us or one or two. And like, I'm just a little guy. I just, I'm, you know, I have these small investments. Like I don't have, you know, staff, you know, 300 deep behind me, right? It's just like right, being right. a handful of people. Right, exactly. So all of our clients get some sort of exemption from this law. Like 100% of my clients have an exemption from this law. And so there's there's a few different exemptions that people use. So one is called 3C1. And this is something that I hear people throwing out all the time. They a lot, People always make up the number. It's always, don't, don't always believe what you hear on the internet because people will say all sorts of stuff. But the, the real answer to 3C1 is that um, you you are exempt if you have a hundred or fewer investors in your fund. So lots of people say, oh, you can have like approximately a hundred investors, or you can have ninety. You know, there's all sorts of things people say, but you can have up to a hundred investors in your fund. And counting is kind of tricky, so that is something where you probably do want a lawyer because it's not just like, oh, there's a hundred LLCs investing in my fund. I have a hundred investors. It's not that easy, unfortunately. Uh, because, for example, Johnny, if like if you and I uh, formed an LLC just for the purpose of investing in a fund, yes, then that that fund would actually have to count that LLC as two investors. Because of, of the one layer deep, there's exactly two individuals and the, in the, with the layers. The layers keep going. Yeah, they, there's layers all the way down. Well, we could whiteboard um, this out, and get really complicated. But yeah, like we said, we're going to yeah. try to just we're, we're not going to do that on a on a podcast. crystallize <laughs> the, the, just the key under, the, kind of the key points for your average, right. you know, fund manager that's doing a lot of stuff, um, small, and they're just trying to like take the high the high level takeaways. But please continue. Yeah. You're doing so good here, man. Yeah, and so so for most of our clients who are hedge funds, VC funds, private equity funds, they're using three C one. It's not that hard for a first time manager to keep to hundred investors. They, they probably won't have anywhere near 100 investors. Maybe they have 20 investors. So they're, they're totally within this exemption. Another exemption that is common is called 3C7. And that means you only accept qualified purchasers into your fund. And qualified purchases, purchasers are just super rich people. So yes. 5 million in investment. Even I knew that. I knew yes, that. Yes. <laughs> I am no qualified purchaser. Um, Qualified purchaser has five million in investments uh, for an individual, or twenty-five million for an entity. So for big, big funds, lots of big funds, this is fine. They'll, they can have like five hundred investors, but they're just all super rich. So that's that's those are like two of the most common. And then there is something else for real estate funds, which is called three C five C. And you know, there's lots of specific rules for how exactly this works. 
but basically just you know for the purpose of this podcast it's it's for real estate funds assuming they're pretty much like their core business with the vast majority of their what they're doing is investing in actual real estate so yes. dirt buildings things of that nature very very relevant to to me and my audience yes yeah and some some real estate funds say we don't even need to deal with this law at all because an investment company is a company that invests in securities and we don't even invest in securities we invest in buildings so why are we subject to this act and that's that's you know a reasonable interpretation as well so that's a long-winded way of saying that if you're a fund that's investing in securities like a hedge fund private equity fund venture fund you're probably relying on 3c1 which is the 100 investor limit yes or 3c7 which is the super rich person exemption if you're a real estate fund you're either saying i'm not subject to this law at all or you're using 3c5c so the whole reason why i just went through all of that is because these new laws that came out are applicable only to registered investment funds yeah uh, or registered investment advisors, rather, which is a, is a, actually has to do with another law, um, but we are not going. We won't talk about that because it'll take too long. Um, but it applies to registered investment advisors who are registered with the SEC and private funds, so non-registered funds, which are exempt under three C one, which is that hundred investor limit, or three C seven, which is the rich person uh, exemption. It does not, these new rules do not apply to 3C, 5C funds uh, or funds that aren't subject to the Investment Company Act at all. So the punchline here is that if you are a real estate fund operator or a real estate syndication op operator, these laws don't have anything to do with you. So you can you can skip you can skip the rest of, of the explanation of what's going to happen because it only applies to registered investment advisors or um you know securities funds that are exempt under 3c1 or 3c7 so that's a, a good good takeaway if you're a, a real estate fund for sure man absolutely for sure so um you know it's i i see i saw some chatter um on i think our um some of our messaging boards uh, about you know the new rules and yeah how it can apply and there'll be a lot of uh, i'm sure further discussion and something that caught my ear um, there and again you know we're not giving legal uh our, our financial advisor uh, certainly not however um we're we're certainly able to discuss it as that and that's yeah. for our human understanding for us to like conceptualize what's going on here uh with these let's let's take a a relevant uh, uh challenge example yeah. here and that's people just say oh i'm not you know they just simply claim that this is not the case has that been um has that is there any sec guidelines or rulings or whatever they call that you know and they 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 basically somebody makes a claim and then they give an opinion on that has those has those claims about like basically there's the, anyone that's in real estate saying oh i'm not doing a security have those been reviewed and like given the okay yet or this is just an interpretation that it's still like could be subject to sec scrutiny so, so just I want to make sure I understand the question. Is the mm -hmm. question that uh, whether it's clear whether these rules are going to apply to real estate funds or not? Is that is that uh, the question? That's that that maybe that's, that's a maybe a more salient question. Yeah, I mean I, it was slightly different, but but go ahead and oh. elaborate on that. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, so the answer to the question I just asked is, is yes, they don't apply to real estate funds just because so it's very, so that, at least that, that interpretation is, or that the way that's been, you're, you're explaining it is on very solid ground is what you're saying. Yeah, that's how I read it. And that's how I, I've spoken with the, the right. I, so I'm not a regulatory expert, I, but I've yeah. spoken with the regulatory experts in my firm and, and they agree. It's pretty clear. It just applies to registered investment funds and, um, and, and funds exempt under these rules. So okay, real okay. estate funds wouldn't, wouldn't be picking that. on the thread there, but, but kind yeah. of the way I, the way I asked it, maybe it's a, yeah. a crappy question. I ask crappy questions sometimes. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Questions um, are hard. Yeah. Especially about this stuff. Um, you, you mentioned to go, like you're kind of walking through the different, uh, yeah. uh, fund, like whether it's this exemption, you know, the hedge fund, the securities, you know, real estate. Yeah. And you said, you mentioned, you suddenly caught my ear, like, Hey, I, and not selling the security. I'm actually selling a real. Uh, we're selling shares of real building here, so I'm not. I'm not under those those guidelines or those rules, right? Um. um so I, I guess. Or did I miss? Or maybe I miss. Maybe I misheard. But please go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's. I guess there's two things. I I, I think maybe what you're getting at is is whether real estate is a security. Is is yeah. that is that okay, what yeah. we're getting at? Okay. That, that's what I heard. That I thought I heard you say. Like, okay. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Okay. Under what? Under yeah. What? I see. Are, yeah. Right, right. So I guess like just kind of close the loop on this. If you mm -hmm. are a real estate fund yeah. um, and you're selling securities, then then you're subject to to the securities laws in general, sure. um, including the, the laws we just mentioned. Yep. And it just so happens to be that the SEC decided that uh, funds that sell securities but are themselves invested only in real estate, uh, that they're not going to be subject to these laws. Interesting. Okay. All right. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. I think there's a separate question as to, you know, is what you're selling a security at all? So if you are an investment fund or syndication, regardless of what you're investing in, whether it be real estate or securities yourself, if you have, you know, an LLC or a limited partnership where you're accepting outside capital, passive outside capital, then you are selling securities to them. Yes. So, so that right. is, I think maybe that's what we're getting at here. That, that was it. That was it. That was it. There, thank you for wandering through that with me and coming kind of <laughs> down to the nut, which I obviously yeah. as, a, as an attorney, like you, you have expertise in that. Like, so what is the core question here? Yeah. And you're like very, very uh, adroitly, you know, came to that 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 question. So thank you for you know, drilling in on that. That's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. So no, amazing. No problem. Uh, sweet. So, um, talk to us about, so that's, so we just walked through, obviously, you know, kind of a, the stages of, the, of our podcast here and talked about the new SEC rulings, uh, which, uh, like you said, kind of, you know, many people are interested in and, uh, curious about here. What is, um, on, uh, on the fun side, do you see, we're kind of not, now we're talking like high level, do you see a bright future for, uh, the fun space, you know, and again, we could keep to the, you know, just the real estate space or more, more broadly, do you see that continuing as it is? Do you see like clampdowns? Um, and that question kind of stems from, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of turmoil in the marketplace. You know, the whole reason of doing a fund, of course, is, you know, being able to, you know, it, you know, get additional capital for, projects, you know, things, dreams people want to see and do and, and accomplish, you know, that's kind of, that's, that's the, how simply I look at it. Like I have these dreams, I have these, these visions, I want to do big things. Funds are very powerful tools. And of course they're, they're subject to regulatory constraints and, and, and laws and, and, you know, all those kinds of things. But do you see the, 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 the tool of a fund being again, more broadly used, less broadly used, 
uh, creative uh, innovations happening. To give us your your thoughts as you look at the landscape and, and you see new and, and new and challenging things coming. Yeah. So I, I obviously see at least a reasonably bright future for funds, or I, I wouldn't be a funds lawyer. Um, so You're trying I to cash think, out like next two might, years, might, we're, might we're going down. <laughs> um, but there's, you know, there's, there's, there's opposing forces to some degree here. So on one hand, you have, for example, the recent rules that just got uh, handed down by the SEC, which... You know, just to kind of recap a tiny bit here, the, the new rules for these funds that they apply to essentially um, require funds to disclose more information and not do certain things unless they disclose those things to limited partners. Okay. So that's what, what prompted that. I know it's a little bit of a tangent. What prompted this? Like, are they just people? I mean, obviously, you could read the news and some other things in your view. But what prompted this new? Uh, this hand down of these new regulations? You know, I don't know exactly what prompted them, but I suspect it's the fact that, you know, a lot of just everyday retail investors end up investing in funds and syndications and they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> and so the SEC wants, you know, wants to kind of shine some sunlight on the problem yes. and, and uh, you know, offer some sorts of investor protections. And, that, and is I that guess almost like a proxy yeah. of like, because it's growing in popularity, then they have they felt that this is some some additional buttressing of the rules and some guidelines and some trans, transparency. Do they does that? I I, I think so. I mean, I yeah. I you know I don't work at the SEC, so I don't know for sure, but that that seems very reasonable. So on on the side of I think funds are going to become more popular and more of a thing. Uh, you know, about a little over ten years ago, you know, they they passed the law that. Uh, enabled 506C, which 506C is, uh, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you're probably tired of hearing about 506C, but 506C is is basically a law that allows uh, syndicators and fund managers to raise money publicly. So you can post on Twitter, you can talk about it on this podcast, uh, you can take out advertisements, whatever you want for your fund or your syndication as long as you verify that each of your investors is an accredited investor. And if you don't do that, then you just have to kind of be quiet about your offering. You know, you can talk to your friends and your friends and your, fr your friends of your friends, but you can't, you can't post publicly. So what has happened um, is that there's been quite the proliferation of investment funds, because now you have people who maybe they have a big social media following, or they just have some, you know, a big, a big public, uh, you know, image in general, and you know, they're now able to raise capital for investments that they wouldn't have been able to before, because they can raise awareness on on social media channels or, or, or elsewhere. That's, that's, so that's amazing. Really, that's amazing insight, Michael. Yeah, I, I get that's right. The, the facts is right there, obvious, but like, oh, that that is fundamentally different. Yeah, with social media, like the coupling of social media, the law, and then actually, then actually, now can you plug it in? And you know, like you said, it's proliferating, and and you know, your average person that didn't grow up on Wall Street or wasn't super connected in that space can now start a fund. You know, with getting in, in touch with an attorney like yourself, or whatever, and and set this thing up, right? Yeah. For sure. Now, the law has definitely enabled a lot more people to get into the arena, as they say. And and with that, there are some people who are rather unscrupulous and just want to fleece their investors. And 
you know, it's hard for limited partners, hard for passive investors to know what any of this means. Like a lot of, a lot of investors might not know what a side letter is. Yeah. And just to, you know, quickly for the audience, a side letter is a special deal between the GP of a fund or an SPV uh, and a single investor. So I could say, okay, my fund charges 2% management fee, 20% carried interest, but Johnny, I'm only going to charge 10% carried interest for you. So it's like a, a deal on the side. But and typically there's like some incentive for both sides. Like I'm going to bring, you know, a nice big check, you know, bigger right. than, usually, than most, most of the other investors. However, the SEC is saying, uh-uh, like you can do it, but you've got to disclose. Is that, is that what basically more, more or less what's happening? That's, that's, happening? that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. If, yeah. if there's a material, uh, if there's a side letter with a material economic term, yes. then they want that to be disclosed uh to to investors that's i think like in my practice i think that's going to be one of the things that we're you know it's it's one of these things where now we're gonna be like okay like how are we gonna do this now uh like what's the best what's like the best way like the best game theory for side letters now because side letters used to be oh just give them a side letter try give them a side letter you know it's it's we've written so many side letters but now we kind of have to think like do we want to do side letter now or how does what are the optics of this right you know so i mean like just between you and them and you Kind of could say what you wanted, and it was, you know, uh, you know, a win-win on on just focus on that side. But now more more eyeballs are are looking in on this thing, and you have to like, you know, is this even worth it to do a side letter, and or how do we structure this, and how what what kind of language do we use, right? Make sure that people are don't right. feel like they're not getting, you know, they're not getting cut out of the of the goods, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, there used to be a way. I mean, there still is this way for other investors to look at side letters from other people. Um, it's this thing called the MFN, which is a most favored nations provision. Oh, and what that is, like is that's two people in the country know about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it, it's, it's important. It's important. If you're an LP, yes, you want to know about the MFN for sure. Regardless. And this, this applies in real estate funds too. This is, this is not a, a legal concept. It's yes. like a, a contractual concept. And basically what an MFN is, is you say, Okay, like I'm a big LP. I'm putting in, you know, $5 million. I want this MFN right. And what the MFN right is, is it says, if anybody else comes into the fund and invests the same amount as me, so $5 million or less, I get to see their side letter. And all those side letters become a menu for me. And I get to pick out all the provisions that I like. And now they're wow. in my side letter. Wow. So if you're, okay. a, you're, if you're an LP, Ask for an MFN provision. See that if it works. Fantastic advice, Michael. Uh, and that was a beautiful segue in where my mind is going to take the final chapter of the podcast yeah. or the final segment. And then it is let's both step into, or you, you're the you're the guest, you're sharing the, 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 the good stuff here. Let's step into uh, the shoes of an LP. And like you've said online and even hinted at here a couple of times, uh, it's growing, uh, funds are growing, syndications are growing, very popular, but also they're complicated. There's a lot of structure, there's a lot of rules, there's giant documents, there's private private placement memorandums, PPMs, and all these things. Uh, your average investor most likely doesn't have the time or the knowledge or you know what whatnot to really digest everything that's happening. What are your recommendations as a lawyer that has seen so much in the space? Uh, what kind of education? What kind of things do they, do, they, do they need to understand? And assume this investor is a busy professional. Go, go. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, at the at the most basic level, 
the your your primary job, in my opinion, uh, but not in my legal advice opinion, is to just make sure you're investing with people you trust. So try to figure out what the GP is like or yes. what the GP team is like and 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 whether you whether you trust them or not. Because at the end of the day, that's the bedrock for all of this. If you know, unless you're a trained lawyer or you're an investor who has a lot of experience reading these documents, you're not going to read 300 doc 300 pages of documents and understand what's going on. It's not human. I mean, like I, I love what, yeah. what you just said. Is like essentially is like are are these is this group of people trustworthy? And it's a little bit tribal and also like very yeah. like you know like primitive. But also it's like it's really the best advice if you like. That's how you your short circuit, your bridge over so much of like reading the documents and understanding and, and like reading like Brian Burke's, you know, uh, you know, how, you know, the, the, the limited partner book, you know, like his giant book. Yeah. And that's a great book. Watching. It is a good book. I know? just it's, recommended it's great... that book to somebody last week. <laughs> actually. That's a, know, that's a good point. Read that watching, book. Watching, yeah. Watching like a hundred <laughs> hours of YouTube. Okay. Fair enough. So Brian Burke, he does yeah. have an amazing, amazing book. What's the, yeah. what's the title again? I'm blanking. Uh, the hands-off investor. That's it. That's it. The hands-off investor. It's an incredible it's book. book. And he goes really deep. Um, you don't necessarily have to digest the whole thing at once, but it re he really covers everything. If you have time to read that, incredible. But to Michael's point, if you really are just want to get to, um, you know, maybe you're super busy, you have a big family, a uh, full-time job, and you don't have the, all the time perhaps to read and understand all these things, the level of trust is the is your is your winning hand to play. Trust in a team, someone else that has invested and you ask them, multiple people, how did this go? Have you had a good experience? Are they communicative? Uh, what have been the returns? A, ba a set of basic questions to to cover a lot of, of your own time, and we both recommend to get knowledgeable and get educated in the space. But you know, also don't let it be a hurdle to start investing as well. So there's kind of a tension there. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, although now that you've mentioned this book that I'm obviously so excited about, I, I would say you know if you're going to be putting your money into a private vehicle. Yes, you you should do some homework. You shouldn't unless it's like your brother or something that you really trust with your you know your whole being. Yes, like don't write a hundred thousand dollar check without understanding how investment funds work. <laughs> you know, I I would I would not do that e even if it's simple as reading one or two books, just so you know what is ridiculous on it on its face or not. Yeah. So like I have this. I've been like starting this investment network where people submit uh, deals and then, you know, we'll send them to investors uh, and we don't take any money or anything, but, you know, we see some outrageous stuff from time to you time. Guys, you guys discuss that. I, I did actually want to touch on that if we had time, we can we'll wrap yeah. it up here real soon here, Michael. Um, but again, it's a kind of a nice flow of, of LPs. So yeah. we talked kind of this final stage is again, kind of focusing on that as a limited partner, as a private investor. Um, uh, so we talked about a kind of a general recommendation of trust, um, a little bit of like, you know, a nuance there of how much to educate, how much to trust. We recommended a book. And then this final thing that you guys are kind of especially, uh, that's kind of something that you've launched is this investor group. Do you guys like tear deals apart? Do you uh, like critique it? Like, what does that look like? Just give people a sense of when yeah. you join in, jump in there. So for us, you know, we just do like a very high level sniff test. Okay. So we're, we're not, we're not going too deep. Uh, it's mostly... You know, it, is this ridiculous or not? And sometimes it's ridiculous. And if it's ridiculous, we don't send it through. Otherwise, you know, we do send it through, and, and LPs can can do their own further diligence. But there are certain things that are pretty standard in the investment fund industry. 
like you'll have something like a 2% management fee and a 20% carried interest. I mean, that is, that's why, you know, funds, if you're in the fund space, you've heard the phrase two and 20 a million times. And that's, that's just what the most standard fee structure is, which essentially means the GP gets a 2% recurring fee for managing the fund and 20% of the profits. And sometimes you'll see stuff where it's like, the GP gets 50% of the profits immediately or gets like a 4% management fee, which are things that like I've never seen in my job, uh, but that somehow some GPs think that they should be getting away with. And some, and some, I mean, getting away with might be too strong because it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, a marketplace of willing participants. But personally, you know, if I saw a deck with, you know, a 50, 50 profit split immediately, Yes. you know, with no pref even, then like, I would not feel comfortable sending that to, you know, my sister to look at, for example. Right so on. we basically, you know, we're basically just taking a, a look. It's not, a, it's not an intensive review. It's not an endorsement or anything, but it's just like, is this, is this absurd or not? And I'll, elaborate, deals, a bit like, yeah, yeah. elaborate a bit. So wh where do the deals come from and what kind of deals are you looking at? Like just anything yeah. and everything. And then like, um, it, it is, it is kind of everything, uh, anything and everything at this point. Where, where do you source them yeah. from? Where, where, where uh, do people, from? I have, a, I have an Airtable forum and people will, will submit these deals. It's mostly funds and syndications. We've had a, actually a few startups. Uh, one, one recently, uh, is investing in, um, a new system of propulsion, uh, through space. Awesome. So that's nice. pretty cool. <laughs> um, so people like submit this forum and then I have a call with every single one of these GPs. Uh, sure. Just to get a sense of you know who they are, are they a robot or not? Um, we've had no robots yet, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to keep checking. We're close. Like, ask yeah. me, like, <laughs> yeah, like I have a series of AI trick questions here yeah. to make sure like I can flush this out quickly or not, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I should say I haven't determined anyone to be a robot. Maybe one's been a robot. Um, yeah. And then we take a look. Uh, we take a look at the at the deck. And I have like a whole, I have a list of 20 questions so I can easily see whether anything they said is kind of, you know, off market. Sure. And then if, if the deal is, is not, you know, doesn't raise any serious red flags, then we'll send the deal to a, a subset of LPs based on the asset class the LP wants. Uh, we make sure that the, the minimum check sizes align. So if the, if the fund's minimum is 500k, we're not sending it to anybody who has not indicated that they'd entertain a check of 500k. Right. And, and then there are some other some other toggles, like if the fund only accepts those qualified purchasers we talked about, the super rich people, we only send it to those LPs. And then uh, that's that's basically the end for us. We don't take any money. We don't take a cut of anything. Um, we're just kind of connecting people and then and then uh, riding off into the sunset and letting them take it from there. So it, it's really kind of just an informational free service uh, as opposed to a, a business at this point. Awesome. Amazing, man. Cool. Uh, well, that's a good place to, to wrap it up. Anything that you want to share with the audience uh, about what you do, um, how, how to connect with you or anything else you want to share that you're trying to grow or, or get out there? Um, yeah. If you want to learn more, I have a YouTube channel, which is just called The Investments Lawyer. Uh, I have a Twitter where I'm The Investments Lawyer. It's investing underscore law. Um, that's basically it. If, if you know anybody or if you are looking to raise capital to invest in something, then I'm your guy. Uh, and that's that's about it for me. 
So good. So good, Michael. Thank you for sharing all that knowledge. We had a wide ranging discussion. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. We, we went to good, good places. We shared good knowledge. Uh, we you know, dug into some technical things here, or you did. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. So until next time, everyone here at the Investing Stuff You Should Know podcast, thank you for joining. Thank you for participating. And Michael, I'll let you give the final handoff. All right, cool. I don't have anything more to say. I, I appreciate you having me on, man. Um, cool. And keep doing what you're doing. Awesome, man. All right, thanks.